Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Gemma Lingham, Associate Director of Fleischmann Hillard. They are the only PR and creative agency to have achieved an accreditation by the National Equality Standard. Fleischmann Hillard UK is the agency for change. They are the people to go to, whether it's to drive, adapt to, manage, or even fight change. They are the people who will create brand love, change perceptions, and make a measurable difference to your business and your world. Gemma is Associate Director in the technology team, specializing in fintech and B2B tech. She is here today to share her story and all the lessons along the way. Gemma, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Great. So look, tell us a bit more about FH, your role there, what that actually entails day in, day out. Yeah, sure. So I think you summed up FH pretty well, actually. Um, So I can tell you kind of a bit more about what I do. So I work with a range of different brands um, across the B2B technology and the fintech space. So that could be your giant multinational software services providers. be a digital identity company, it could be payments giants, it's a real mix, exciting to work with lots of different types of companies and my role is really to work with my clients to ensure that we're telling the stories that are important to them but we're making sure that they bridge to what their audience is and what the media want to hear because you know, media is still a really big part of PR, it's what we do day in day out, um, getting our clients in front of the press but I would say that the work has really diversified over the past few years. So our work blends into social, it goes into paid opportunities. It's, it's a very broad range of, of opportunities to, to work for our clients now. So that could be working on content strategies. It could be executive profiling programs, research reports, events. It, it really is a broad range of services that we offer and that we get to work on. And I'm very lucky that at FH we have a really vast range of expertise so there is always someone to tap into whether it's for crisis or internal comms you know you're constantly learning because there is always someone who can take a deep dive into a really specific area and I think when we think about tech or fintech it's such a crowded space now like everything is tech um, fintech is so mainstream now so working out how we can tell their stories and cut through the noise is a really exciting challenge and I think over the past few years you've seen how you know these big 
big nebulous terms like digital transformation you know what, what does that actually mean how do we break that down so a big part of what I do with clients is working on you know how do we make those things tangible what do they mean what is it beyond just the term and I think the final part I would say about my role and, and the part I probably love most actually is being really involved with our growing fintech initiatives so Last year, we launched a report in conjunction with Money 2020 Europe, and that really harnessed different voices and insights from the fintech ecosystem. We kind of predicted the trends for the year ahead. So working on things like that really helps to keep me tapped into the industry, know what's going on, keep my finger on the pulse. And it's um, somewhat promising that the trends that we predicted, um, like increased M&A activity in the space, are actually <laughs> coming to fruition. So it's good that what we thought would happen is happening. So, yeah, my role is kind of, yeah, client side and then fintech marketing, which I absolutely love. Best of both worlds. Oh, it totally is. It sounds absolutely fascinating. And I love the fact that you've just spoken about cutting through the noise. Mm. And, you know, those big nebulous terms, as you say, digital transformation means so, so many different mm-hmm. things to different people. And also it becomes almost like jargon to lots of people. Mm. Like, well, what actually do you mean by, by these big terms? And I think that it's really, really important, especially with the work that I'm trying to do to open people's eyes to the perception of the reality of working within the fintech space. It's so mm-hmm. great to see what you're doing, where you're opening up like what the truth is behind these mm-hmm. stories, like and telling mm-hmm. the stories in a correct way. And as you say, leveraging off the media as well to make sure that these stories are not only being told in the correct way, but received correctly as well. Mm-hmm. But it sounds fascinating, like lots of different things to to handle. And, and I love the, the predictions as well, that you've got those right. That's great news. <laughs> yeah. Always good. So what about going back? Like, let's hear a little bit more about your career journey and some of the lessons along mm-hmm. the way. Yeah, so I guess I always wanted to work in PR. I did different work placements at school, at university, and I guess through hard work and a bit of luck, I got onto a graduate program straight out of university. So I kind of entered the PR world as a fresh 21-year-old, excited to learn. And I remember being placed in the fintech team at my first agency, and I was totally bewildered. I, you know, a fintech I didn't have a clue what it was you know this was you know seven years ago I didn't have a I didn't know what it was didn't know what I'd be doing thinking god I'm going to be awful at this but ironically I actually still work with the head of the practice then who is now the head of the practice that I work in now at Fleischmann and I guess fintech has become what I do day in day out so it's it's come full circle and you know, it's been a really interesting journey. I've learned a lot along the way and I'm still relatively early on in my career and my PR and fintech journey. I think one of the biggest learnings came from working with, in the early days, working with very, very deep financial organisations as a very young 20 year old. You know, I was going into meetings for some of my clients, financial consultants and you know, I'd be in a room full of middle-aged men or I would, you know, I flew out to Cybos when I was quite young in Canada and, and that was still then a very male-dominated environment. And I think because of those scenarios I was in, it really, it really teaches you to be assertive. It's very easy, I think, when I look back to be seen as, you know, the young PR girl and not taken very seriously. And I think, you know, because of that, I learned early on to, you know, assert my knowledge and my expertise because you know, I was in those meetings, I was doing those things because I was capable, because I was able to. And 
I remember a very senior female colleague saying to me once, you know, when you go into these meetings, make sure you bring at least, you know, make sure you say at least one thing that's going to bring some value. And, you know, that was a really small, you know, maybe, maybe offhand piece of advice, but it was so important to me because it pushed me to, you know, one, actually really get to know my clients and the spaces they were operating in super well so that I could say something that was valuable. You know, I wasn't saying something for the sake of saying it, but I was actually adding to the conversation. But it gave me the confidence to engage and it gave me the confidence to speak up, knowing that I was going to go into that room and I was going to say something. And I think giving women the confidence early on in their careers, particularly in the FS space, is so so important and something I'm really passionate about I think there was that report out quite recently you might have seen it with the LSE and it was the done with the women in banking and finance group and it highlighted how you know women feel the need to perform consistently well compared to their male counterparts and it pointed out that you know it's difficult for women to gain recognition for their work and it won't be rectified until all voices are heard. So I think that piece of advice that I got really early on, you know, it may not have been earth shattering, but it had a massive impact because it forced me to speak up and it forced me to make sure that my voice was heard. So kind of connecting the two, it was, it was really valuable and set me up to success, I think. And, you know, to that end, I think having that confidence has allowed me to take opportunities given to me throughout my journey and that's another kind of key learning you know I'm a really big advocate of getting women into more senior positions and you know I speak for myself as well I said I'm still quite early on in my career but to do that we need the confidence and we need the support to step up you know a couple of years back I joined um, FH's shadow board which was a group of people from the graduate level through to the account director level that get to shadow the exco they get to have a hand in you know shaping the agency strategy and it was a really important thing for me to do because I could understand you know how the decisions are made in an agency you know what kind of role I might want to go into so you know I think I've learned along the way to to speak up to have my voice heard but also the confidence that stems from that is being able to take the opportunities that are going to you know open up new doors and work out what you want to do in the future and I'm really lucky that I've had great people around me to help you know, help give me that confidence and ability to do to do that. And I love that story. I think that's just so important that you shared it. That you know, be, despite being in a male-dominated environment, you were given a brilliant bit of advice which you jumped upon, and and you know that that advice saying at least one thing that will bring some value. I think ev- everyone can think about that. Doesn't matter how junior or senior mm. we are. You know, like actually the simplicity of that, but but using that advice in the correct way, I think is wonderful and really great mm. to hear how you were able to do that early on in your career. You know, in comparison to the stories upon stories that we hear of people that weren't able to do that because they hadn't mm. been given that advice or weren't given the confidence and, and weren't given the support or the platform. And so I completely agree with you on how important that is. Mm. Um, and it's great to hear what you said about um, the, um, the information from the LSE and, and making sure that women don't feel that they have to be consistently mm. because cause what, what, where that stems from is, is people feeling like, you know, maybe there was an off day, maybe there was a reaction, maybe there was whatever it may have been, 
that was perceived in a different way because of because of our gender and and that and that's that's the root the root of that is what we've got to try and drive and drive and drive the change for so mm. it's great to hear how you're doing yeah. that and takes me really nicely onto the next question mm. because fh has been accredited by ey for the national um equality standard so i mentioned that in the intro i wanted you to really explain what that means and how that was achieved because there's loads of fantastic things that you can boast here yeah i'm genuinely very lucky to say that i work for a company that takes de and i very seriously and you know the mission that we have to become the most diverse and inclusive agency in the uk is felt throughout the company so yeah you're right um, we worked with ey to achieve our national quality standard accreditation we we chose that because it's a true example of best practice and it's a real market leader in the uk and you know we went into the process knowing that we would fail but that it would allow us to understand where we needed to build upon and improve and as a result of doing that and gaining that insight we we gained our accreditation in june 2020 when we were reassessed and we will be reassessed every two years so we were and we are measured across a range of different areas but one of the key things that helped us to achieve that accreditation was the fact that we completely overhauled our talent and supplier policies so all of our recruitment and hiring policies have been audited by the nes accreditation to ensure that they represent best practice and they reduce bias from the beginning to the end of the journey and you know i get involved in a lot of our graduate hiring um, and our account executive hiring in the tech team and we've had some amazing talent come into the team um, recently and that is absolutely as a result of of completely overhauling the way that we do things but I think beyond just that accreditation you know it's not it doesn't just stop there so we have a DE and I lead um, we have five subgroups that cover our key priorities which are mental health disabilities, ethnic minorities, um, socioeconomic and inclusive behaviours. You know, I could talk for ages about the different things that we have going on at FH, but, you know, to name a few, we have an African Caribbean Network Employee Resource Group, a mentorship programme. One of our diversity champions is the co-chair of Open Pride. Every team member, every person at FH undergoes unconscious bias training. And most recently, we voluntarily um, communicate our gender pay gap data each year, despite not being required to actually do so. And all of these things are measured along the way. So we measure the effectiveness of our DE&I strategy through an annual census. We have perception surveys of leadership's commitment to it retention of staff from underrepresented groups, employee engagement surveys. So I think it's fair to say that the, accredita the accreditation is it's massively important for us to have, but it's absolutely not seen as box ticking exercise. Um, it's something that we truly work towards every day and you, know, you can feel it in everything we do. And I don't, you know, I'm very lucky to say that I work somewhere that takes this incredibly seriously and it is absolutely not just saying we're doing it you know we're living it we're breathing it and I'm I'm really honored to work around people that are kind of you know pushing pushing this forward and making us a better a better place to be and work that is such a pleasure to hear you know you saying you know you can feel it in everything that we do and I am so pleased to hear that 
that you voluntarily report your gender pay gap because um, I've, I've been very vocal on uh, LinkedIn and various media platforms about the just the abandonment of the gender pay gap reporting. You know, it was one of the first things back in 2020 that the government did in their response to COVID. Oh, I, I know. COVID yeah. hit. Let's get rid of yeah. gender pay gap reporting. Yeah. That's going to find. That's going to get us the vaccine sorted. <laughs> yeah. What you know, it was um, know. it was so infuriating. But you know, the big call to action that I put out to the fintech community was that we can still report it. We can still look at it ourselves, and we can still be open about it. Um, and I think that's it. Really, it really shows actions speak louder than words. I always say, you know, we're here to walk the talk. It's not about the talking. It's about walking those actions. Mm-hmm. And it's great to great to hear how that's made you feel within the business. Um, and and you know, again, um, I know that we've spoken before about how you've had the benefits of working with uh, both male and female managers, and that's been a huge part of of you and your growth and your engagement within within the workplace can you tell us a bit more about that yeah sure you know i yeah i have i've worked with some amazing men and some amazing women across all of the agencies and clients and opportunities i've had and i think i've because because of that i've got a really well-rounded view of what it means to be a leader i constantly in awe of some of the amazing women that i get to work with every day you know i watch them juggle work and home life and I think if the past year has taught us anything, you know, it's that women in particular need to be, you know, unapologetically themselves. You know, life is hard. Juggling at home and life is even harder. So, and I think that the best female managers that I've worked with in the past are totally honest about what they can and they can't commit to and by when. And I think, you know, some, you know, the last year and a half or so has somewhat leveled the playing field. I say, you know, I place emphasis on the somewhat because it also hasn't in some ways, but it's opened up a whole new way of viewing how we work and how we live. You know, I think when I've worked with male managers, my personal experience is that it's been one of more directness. And actually, in that LSE report that I mentioned earlier, you know, it highlighted that women, you know, they, they want a direct manager they want to know where they stand and I think that's completely unrelated to being a male or a female you know it goes for being a manager in general we all want to be spoken to clearly given clear directions so that we know exactly where we stand and exactly where we need to go so I you know I'm very lucky that I don't think I've um, worked with um, many mediocre male managers that that report highlighted I've had a really lovely experience of working with lots of different diverse voices and people but I think it does you know you do take different things from different people and it's you know it's it's given me the opportunity to look at different behaviors look at different skill sets look at different ways of doing things and it gives you that 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 really well-rounded view of what it means to be a leader and I think that's really important to get because if you only ever have male managers or you only ever have female managers you're going to inevitably have a, a smaller view of of what it takes to be a leader so I'm I again I'd say I'm pretty lucky and having worked with some amazing people regardless of regardless of who they are or where they've come from 
I think that's a really pertinent point because I think that if you only were to deal with one personality type in life as well, like you've only got this, that, that personality type's view of the world. So it's about that whole diversity of thought piece that we've spoken about before, isn't it? It's about yeah. learning, learning about doing things in different ways, knowing that different ways will work with different people. And that's what it's about and celebrating mm. that and, and understanding the challenges that you'll face with that. But, you know, historically, as you've so rightly said, there's been this this huge gap female managers uh, with females within tech and this is what we're trying to you know sort of address or readdress the imbalance um, to try and balance that it's not just a gender thing but um, I know that this type of conversation has driven your passion to drive the percentage of senior women up across the sector I'd love for you to share some of the work that you've been doing there yeah I mean I guess uh, you know, working with a lot of fantastic female leaders has, you know, is inevitably driven my passion to get more women into senior roles. And that includes myself. You know, I'm still relatively early on in my career, as I've said, you know, I've still got a long way to go, but there's a lot of things I aspire to be and do. And, you know, I thought I'll have a quick look before we chatted today and to, to have a look at some of the stats to see, you know, what the current state of play is. And, you know, it doesn't take much to see that there is still a problem when it comes to those senior level roles. Um, you know, I looked at the founders, if you look at the founders of companies selected for the FinTech 50, 118 are men and just six are women. So that's just over 5%. And if you look at the UK FinTech workforce, there's data that shows less than 30% female and only 17% of the senior fintech roles are held by women. And I think then when you look at the other side of what I do, when you look at the PR industry, you know, it's typically female dominated industry. So it comes down to how we can elevate women and get them into those more senior roles. And I think it stems, you know, addressing this stems from giving women the opportunities early on in their careers, like I had and like I've spoken about, to really put them in scenarios where they're going to hone their leadership skills, instill confidence. I think that's a massive, massive part is the confidence piece because these roles are achievable, but we need to set everybody up for success. You know, again, it, it is regardless of regardless of gender, but it it's very important to address, you know, some of the issues we've seen in the past. And I've had the opportunity to to take part in you know countless leadership training courses certifications you know being part of the shadow board that i mentioned you know i think it's somewhat of a no-brainer that this kind of confidence needs to be instilled early on but it needs to be presented as a reality and it's it's true it, ne it needs to start at the beginning and you know i'm really committed through my you know own line management, um, you know, the people that I'm line manage, the different people I manage on client teams, you know, I'm so committed to understanding their passions and their strengths and identifying early on, you know, where their skill sets lies, what they what they want to do, how they're going to get there, and you know, helping to equip them with the skills and again the opportunities so that they can realize that senior roles are so absolutely achievable. And I think it, it you know, for me, it's when that confidence and the opportunities come together, that's where, we're, that's where we'll see real change. And that's where we can start to give people the chance really on and early on in their careers to, to aim for those high roles. And I think until we address both, it's always going to be a challenge. So when I look at, yeah, some of the junior members of staff, um, some of the women I work with, you know, you can see so much potential, but you need to make sure that they have the support to, 
to really aim high and give them the opportunities to you know test their strengths out and and really get there I think it's so important yeah I love the way that you've explained that the sort of balance of the two um and then just how you've you've ended that by saying you know it's about aiming high but also being being allowed the opportunities to do that and us making sure that the environment is equitable for that and I think the way that you've explained that is absolutely spot on um so taking us to my last question um I love to ask people about what their calls to action of, of everybody else and, and what really you'd like to see the industry doing more of to ensure that workplace inclusion becomes an authentic reality rather than just something that you know, everyone wants to put their hand up and say they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I completely think it is about being honest with yourselves. And I think I say that because I work at an agency where you know, FH is a real example of being realistic about where we are, where we want to get to. You know, we knew we wouldn't pass that accreditation, but that would show us where we need to place focus. And until you have that complete transparent understanding of where you are, you're never going to know where you need to get to and what you need to do to get there. So having that honesty with yourselves is is so important. But then I think viewing, you know, in workplace inclusion as a continual journey and again you know that accreditation doesn't mean that our job's done we don't say yep tick box done sorted it's going to take years to level the playing field for lots of different groups of people it's it's a journey and I think you know the final point to that I would say and what I would end on is I think around supporting women through their careers you know I mentioned earlier I think that the past 18 months or so of working from home has done something to reset workplace culture and level the playing field but only somewhat because yes we've shown we can work from anywhere you know you can work with your kids in the background it's difficult but you can work different hours but you can't deny the fact that I think there was some BBC research that showed that 71% of women felt they had assumed most of the responsibility for childcare or homeschooling during the lockdown so As we look to return to offices, or maybe we won't, you know, we need to be honest about this situation and this challenge. And we need to come together to make sure that women aren't held back by this because it is the way it is at the moment. So how can we provide the same opportunities? How can we flex our strategies? How can we suit juggling work and home life? You know, I don't don't have the answers to that, but I do believe that we can't overlook it. We need to be honest with ourselves. And we need to be committed to making sure that we can address it and, you know, make sure that we're giving opportunities regardless of scenario, regardless of different pressures and challenges. Because if we don't, you know, if, if we do things the way that they've always been done, we're going to miss out on so much talent out there. So I think, you know, we need to be honest. We need to be committed to change. I don't have all the answers, but I think if we, we know what we're looking at, we can, we can start to move forward. I think you've just absolutely encapsulated everything to do with what we've been discussing today. And I think you're so, so right. If we continue doing things the way we always have done, we're going to miss out on so much and so much talent that's out there and so much potential. And I'm so passionate about that, especially, you know, within, within my role and what I'm trying to do, but I'm so, so pleased we've had this conversation today because Mm. not only have you been able to say why, FH really stands out on this but what you're doing and what you're doing for the for the wider marketplace and the potential for change I think is so so exciting I really just want people to take 
take up that change and do the, do the actions and do the steps. So I think you've been really clear with what actions and steps make a difference. So mm-hmm. it's been absolutely brilliant getting to know you and learning about what you're doing for the entire marketplace. Thank you so much for joining me on the Women of Fintech podcast series. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you.